Welcome, beverage industry professionals, to the Shine Runner Show, quenching your marketing, distribution, and sales thirst for more horsepower on the craft beer, cider, and spirits industry. My name is Mark Colburn, and I'll be your crew chief. Today's episode is Pursuing Austin. Our program objective is to provide you with an overview of marketing, distribution, and sales learnings and experiences from me, a veteran who's been in the craft, spirits, and cider business for over 25 years. The goal of this program will be to help you better understand marketing's role, priority, and importance in the marketplace, and how it relates to your business model. Sponsors. Hey, the Shine Runner show is in need of sponsors. The management and the Brewing Network realized a need for a show exclusively dedicated to the topics of marketing, distribution, sales, special events, wholesaler motivation and relationships, sales incentive planning, and a bunch of other marketing topics. This key differentiating advantage means that sponsors will be associated with a -a one-of-a-kind show appealing to over 70,000 professional brewers, distillers, vintners, cider, and mead makers, and non-alcoholic beverage producers. That doesn't include all the downloads. So please contact the Brewing Network regarding sponsorship of the Shine Runner Show. Thank you very much. So recap from last episode. In the last episodes, we defined the marketing strategy, which consists of two key elements, the target market definition and the marketing mix. As you may recall, the target market is a group or slice of the beverage drinking population with homogenous or similar wants and needs. As you get a clearer view of your target market, you'll also get ideas on where they frequent and how to convince them to discover your beer, cider, and spirits, and share this newfound bounty with their digital buddies. Try to capture as much contact information on your target audience as possible. This data can be used to invite them to special events, brew pub or tasting room functions, food pairings, uh, to evaluate new product releases, new packaging, maybe even uh, label upgrades or brand names. So you can gather this, this kind of data at your tap rooms uh, or at craft beer festivals or, or art and wine festivals. So keep in mind that the typical person knows over 200 people. So capture as many influencers as possible, all to your brand's advantage. To give you a clear idea of just who the U.S. craft beer drinker is, last time we profiled that drinker and I called him Austin. So here's a few key reminders on Austin. As you may recall, he's uh, on average 29. He's a millennial. The the overall target range for the craft beer consumer, as a lot of us know, 21 to 39, with 25% of those microbrew drinkers uh, are between the ages of 30 to 39. So the sweet spot, 21 to 39. Now, here's an interesting little point. By 2023, half of all beer drinkers or craft beer drinkers will be millennials, consuming an estimated 65-plus percent of beer volume. These are the people we really want to get to know. Education on Austin. He's got a bachelor's degree, uh, employment. He's employed full-time, excuse middle management. He's high-tech or engineering, while 54% of craft beer drinkers are white-collar. Marital status, he's single. He's, uh, the household size is between one and two. He's got a roommate or he lives with his girlfriend. Uh, household income is 65000 plus. Now, geography, interesting point here. Uh, West Coast, East Coast, 
Southern Belt, Pacific Northwest. No geographic dominance. But remember that Austin lives, he skews in the major metro areas. He's also a key influencer with over 300 of what I call cyber clan friends. He actively wants to discover your brands and share them with his friends. And recall from last time, he searches for your brands in the on-premise. Austin enjoys drinking, but as we recall, he is not particularly loyal to many brands due to his lust for experimentation and constant discovery. Can you picture Austin in your mind? I'm sure you can. Play that tape and see if you can spot him in your tap room, at a recent beer festival, or sitting at the bar. What can you do to drive him towards your products? Recall his purchase behavior on the on-premise. That's where he goes to discover your beers or your spirits or your cider. So how can you influence his purchase behavior in the on-premise or as we call on-trade in uh, Europe? Remember, we want sales, not just likes. So my recommendations for pursuing Austin in the on-premise, how about developing a model or formula with your distributors that requires their sales team to place now featuring your beer or now pouring your beer signage prominently in the on-premise account. Every time they or your rep makes a draft or package placement, this must be automatic. No excuses. Automatic. Uh, some some on-premise accounts, I understand. Mark, hey, the, they don't allow you know uh, this the on or the um, posters and things, paper goods to be put up in the accounts because they're high end. Okay, fine. What about a table tent? Something to pers- to to sway Austin to discover and try your products. Uh, it is so competitive out there, so we've got to do everything possible to help Austin try your brand. So tie this requirement, that is the the point of sale piece, now pouring your beer signage, tie this requirement to the incentive payout when securing new distribution. Make sure it includes your brand logo and key differentiating advantage, KDA. So when Austin goes into your favorite bar, he sees you. Require a photo or iPad proof of signage placement for your or your sales director's review so that that on-premise salesperson takes a picture of the point of sale, proving that he or she got it up in the account. Think of this tactic as watering the placement seed while inviting Austin to try your brand. Make it as easy as possible uh, for Austin so that he can discover your beer, uh, spirit, or cider. Uh, And then he'll share via word of thumb with his cyber clan. When you see him in your tap room or a bar, go ahead and buy him a beer. Engage. Tell him about your KDA and marketing story. Give him a wearable if you can. Let him advertise your brand. Recall, Austin is a key brand influencer and gatekeeper, and he is extremely active in social media. He's got over 300 friends, and he can be a valuable social media ambassador for your brand. Invite this guy to tap takeovers, new product launches, uh, other special events like your craft beer fests or art and wine festivals where your brand will be featured. So now we've got a clear picture of Austin and what makes him tick. 
But you're thinking, hey, Mark, how can we influence his off-premise purchase behavior? That's a tough one. So what will make Austin pick your brand when he's in his local liquor store? And what will make Austin pick your brand when he's in your local supermarket? Well, let's, let's talk about that. So after he discovers or your target market discovers your brand at a local craft or art and wine festival, one way to steer Austin to your off-premise accounts is to train your festival serving ambassador or sales rep to verbally inform him where he can purchase locally. For example, thank you for trying GT500 Brewing's new IPA. It's now available at your local Safeway and Mark's Liquors. So while at the festivals, I found it valuable to generate a brief, laminated, off-premise account list that features brand availability in the off-premise. This can be easily displayed uh, at your sampling table or on your jockey box. Uh, Here's an example. A GT500 Brewing IPA, now available at Safeway on Market and Carb Alley. Cobra Jet Liquors, uh, Four Speed Mini Mart, Headers Pack and Save, or Torque Wrench Convenience Market. These simple tools or methods help guide Austin and your target market to the store so that they can buy your brand. So many companies forget these simple brand selling details that ultimately lead to purchase and hopefully brand loyalty. So back to those tough questions about getting Austin to select your brand in the liquor store or supermarket. As I said, this is a tough one, but there are ways to improve your odds. Let's say, for example, that uh, Austin hasn't had your product on the on-premise and he's heading to his go-to liquor store because he's going to have a little soiree with friends at his apartment uh, and they're coming over. He's got some uh, friends coming over to to his apartment to watch the ball game. And recall that he lives in the big cities. So the placement, placement within that off-premise, his go-to liquor store is so vital It's uh, to its success. The sweet spot in these mom-and-pop liquor stores is eye-level and on the handle. Unfortunately, this real estate is oftentimes taken by either your distributor's national brand or a very large competitor. So your goal, though, is to convince your sales team and the wholesaler sales team to get your brand, first of all, in the appropriate style section. Uh, obviously, craft uh, craft with craft, IPAs with IPAs. You'd be surprised what I've seen in the marketplace. Oh, man. I have up here, uh, Pilsner down there, domestic here, import there, just all over the place. But at least get in the right you know, ballpark for your, your beer styles. So within this goal is to get your team to place your product either at eye level, which I know is a toughie, but you might be able to do it. Just try, or one shelf below. So the high and low shelves, the highest and the lowest, they're for brands what I call on the cusp, uh, or ones that have maybe just been introduced, having to fight for that better spot uh, by showing impressive sales velocity. Or there are brands that are on uh, what I call uh, in the decline or maturity stage of their product life cycle, really kind of on their way out. So you don't want to be up there. Uh, the problem with these high and low real estate spots is that they just don't receive as much focus. Don't pe- People don't look there as often as uh, definitely as the visual sweet spot. So ways to influence Austin's purchase decision 
in the off-premise. Here's a few more examples. So how about a brand tacker? A lot of you probably know what those are, and that's a point-of-sale item typically made of of metal, maybe uh, 15 inches by 30 inches or somewhat uh, in that vicinity. Uh, That that, that piece features the brand logo, um, your KDA. Uh, These must be placed by either the distributor's merchandiser or your sales rep. But they do help, certainly help, increase brand awareness. So brand tackers, that's one option. Another one is shelf strips. Now, these are kind of often, I think they're forgotten really in the trade. And they're the little things that go underneath your, your six-pack placement or four-pack placement or bomber. And But these items, they can help educate Austin on what your beer is. Plus, they help preserve your brand slot on the shelf. They're kind of markers for where your product's supposed to be. Okay, and they can include a brief KDA. I know you can't put a lot of information on there, but maybe you can do something to help differentiate from the competition. Maybe you've got a really impressive beer rating that you can put on a 99 or 98 or maybe a recent medal that's been won. Uh, I would try to include as much info uh, as you can. So a salesperson uh, might also recommend what's called a static sticker. Now, these static stickers, they're typically 3x5 or 4x6 inches. Uh, they're plastic pieces, and they, they cling to the glass of the cooler door. They can be placed right under your brand to highlight it. Uh, the size of the static provides ample room to present some good marketing information, like a little bit about your brand story, or like I said earlier, a beer rating, a metal mention, something like that. You might even feature a, a discount that might induce trial to get Austin and your target market to try your six-pack or four-pack against somebody else's. I, however, uh, having uh, I've, I've been in a, a zillion liquor stores, I think, but I find that these statics are oftentimes just pulled and thrown away by the competitor, which obviously is a waste of your resources. Um, I, I still, maybe they should be tried. I think you would maybe have that discussion with, with your local distributor. Uh, competitors may also use, now keep on, on the lookout for this, competitors may also use statics to just cover up your brand, thus hiding your beloved, beloved beverage from Austin's exploring eyes. So you want to really be uh, on the lookout for competitors who will put those static clings over your brand, let your own salespeople know about that, and certainly remove those so that people can see your great beer, spirit, or cider. So if legal in your market, I'm an advocate for sampling. Uh, I think sampling is great. And if your product tastes really good, then Austin needs to try it. Just get that product over his or her lips. Okay, Once they do, they'll buy provided... It's served correctly by a trained, coached ambassador or sales rep. This step is so imperative. The person serving your brand just can't say, here you go. I mean, how many demos and have you gone into where the demonstrator, the, the brand ambassador just says, here, sir, try this. Uh, we don't, you don't want that. Uh, can they, you want to ask, can they speak passionately about your brand? They need to educate, persuade, and sell your target audience on this nectar. Sell, Austin. Selling has got to be in their DNA. You can provide this training via simple methods like YouTube or GoPro video to ensure brand delivery and message and story consistency. Please ensure that they announce your KDA. This 
friends, is what it takes to win in the marketplace. It's an absolute must. You've got to keep hammering away at that great message, story consistency. So to monitor this investment, and obviously I understand there's a cost there because you've got to pay these people to do this. But I suggest, and I've done this before, a mystery shopper incentive. Which, uh, which I've run with great success. And, and what is a mystery shopper instead of Mark? Well, what it means is let's say you're running five, five demos in local beverages and more or uh, total wines. And you want to ensure that these people, after you send out this video, they're saying exactly what they're supposed to be saying. So you or your sales rep or someone with your company goes in, somebody that they haven't seen before, and they just they go up as a general consumer and they listen to the pitch. If it's on the money, then maybe they get an instant $25 or even $50 uh, American Express or somebody gift card. And, and they get something like that. Boy, those demonstrators, they all know each other. They will, word of mouth will travel quickly and you will, you will just take great steps towards getting that message out on a consistency basis. Cause that is what you're, you're, that's why you're, you're spending that money. So who knows? One of these demonstrators, they might even be your next sales rep. You really like them, you know, get their information. So, a few more things. So, uh, to increase your odds with Austin in what I call the bigs or the supermarket channel, uh, boy, you'll need to, first of all, get headquarter authorization. This requires a presentation to the chain's buyer. I'm sure some of you have done this before. Uh, Once authorized, you want to share this great news with your distribution team. Boy, you start getting into the supermarkets, you are really doing great. Way to go. So, uh, we'll talk about these presentations, how to prepare for such, and work with the trade in a future podcast. So back to uh, uh, working on the, in the supermarkets here. Uh, as your brand gets cut into the shelf, uh, into the next shelf set, I suggest launching a chain incentive through the distributor's chain sales team. And I know I keep spending your money, but uh, I, as I said in my first podcast, I've been in the distribution side for 16 years. Believe me, this will ensure that your brand gets into its rightful real estate. Uh, It may come as a surprise or kind of a budget sting, another hit to the budget, but I recommend you do this. And here's, here's why. This incentive can also include cases on display. This is in addition to the space that you get in the cooler. Okay, So this can be negotiated during the initial buyer presentation at the chain headquarters or it can be negotiated afterwards with a regional district manager for that chain. Uh, or it can be di- uh, discussed with the distributor's chain sales manager. Yeah. So you'd be very surprised by what this key person can do for your brand. Due to his or her long-standing store-level relationships, these are the people that are up at 4 and 5 in the morning, lumping cases, 5, 6, 7 days a week, over and over, month after month, year after year. They are interfacing with the store management, building relationships. Oftentimes, the relationships these people have with store management are stronger than the employees in the supermarket. I also strongly suggest... That someone from your team attends the shelf resets with the distributor. This person should like getting his or her hands dirty and not be there to play on the phone. Um, Getting there to work uh, with the distributor team on a shelf reset is uh, will go. It will just do so much benefit for your brand. So this lending hand it'll add to your positive distributor relationship. 
And it might lead to more good news on a store-by-store basis. I used to work for a, a bread company called Earth Grains, and, and I, uh, I was on the corporate reset team. And, boy, we had to get in there sometimes at 3 o'clock. But, but the, the schematic, uh, that's the term that's used that, that shows all the SKUs by all the shelves. Uh, oftentimes, that doesn't match perfectly to the actual linear feet in the supermarket. So sometimes there's more space left over than what the schematic calls for. So the people that are there at those resets, well, they will get the benefit of that extra space. I'm not guaranteeing you this, but sometimes it happens. And if you get you've got a one space, a, a slot for a six pack times six shelves, that that adds up. Maybe your best skew gets two slots for a while. So it's 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 very valuable for one of your employees, one of your people, to be at this reset uh, as as often as they possibly can be. And it really goes miles. Uh, with the distributor, uh, the distributor chain managers and their staff, and and I'll tell you on the flip side of that is if you're one of those suppliers that never attends a reset, well, uh, you're going to be talked about by that local distributor and not in a positive way. They will remember the the suppliers that don't ever show up. Another recommendation to help with chain sales is a banner or point of sale piece that will peak. Austin's or your target market's attention. This banner can be placed by your distributor, chain merchandiser, or by your sales rep, provided they get store manager approval before placing such. Be sure to get permission first. You want to go and discuss the concept, maybe in a storyboard fashion, or or uh, well, I've, what I've done is I've I've come up with some ideas uh, in the store, and I draw them out right there for the store manager, and I try to get him or her to to input some ideas, so it basically it becomes sort of their idea, some ownership, and that improves your odds of getting that point of sale piece into the trade. Never assume their permission. This will backfire miserably. A phone call would be made to your chain, uh, your distributor chain sales manager. Hey, who put this thing up in my store? Uh, they really take ownership of their stores, and it will be pulled, and uh, there could be harm done to to you know, the location of your product. So I, I, I keep in mind that there is a constant battle for supermarket shelf space, and anywhere that point of sale uh, pieces can be placed. So you've got to play by the rules. You know, get your permission first and respect the trade or um, you'll be in the doghouse. So uh, we've covered some good things, I think, on Austin and the target market and how to get into the on and off premise. So let's go for a few recaps here. Um, we talked about how to lead Austin and his digital buddies to your brand. Uh, as you dig deeper into your target market, Think about how to wordsmith your marketing story now that you've got this clear picture of, of Austin. You know, craft that marketing story and your point of sale. Always include your KDA to better appeal to this group. Always keeping Austin in mind. Tailor, refine, and weave the story to appease him and that target audience. Peak his curiosity and intellectual interest. You want to influence his brand quest allowing him to discover your brands in the on and off premise, always reminding him where they are available. A few more recaps. Uh, be sure to research your uh, research to your brand awareness. Uh, yeah, sorry, be sure to use your research to your brand awareness, product mix, 
special event, and sampling advantage. Your team must approach Austin wherever you see him. Tell him about your brand. It's KDA, where he can find it. Everyone in your company must personally approach Austin as often as possible. And a final tip from episode three. I want to ask you a question. Where can you easily find a bunch of Austins? I mean easily. Where? Obviously, you can't answer. Sorry. But anyhow, think about that for a second. Yeah, you're thinking. I know you can see them. You're running the tapes. Where can you find a bunch of them? Probably half of your wholesaler sales team is Austin. So influence these guys. Please submit questions on episode three's topics and any comments to shinerunner at thebrewingnetwork.com. I'll try to address these in a future show. I want to thank you very much for listening. Please check out my website at shinerunnercraftmarketing.com and my book, Craft Beer Marketing and Distribution, Brace for Skumageddon. Look for episode four coming up soon, the four Ps. Thank you.